0: Hey, welcome to Two Cents Episode 79. It's January 15th, 2017. This is the live, undoctored news show we do here at Dollar Views. We cover a lot of stuff for your listening pleasure. We cover tech, TV, movies, streaming, video games, and also virtual reality. And it's all for free. It's all by us, and you can find us all at DollarViews.net. I'm Brian Gillis, and I'm here with Stephen Mominex. Hey, uh, yeah. I was like, "Yawn." Sorry, <laughs>
1: that's uh, a good size. Yawn, I just man.
0: yawned right when you said my name. Yeah, that's a first. Well, that's how you guys know that it's real. I didn't cut around that. We're not gonna recut this or anything. It's for real. This is the week that a lot happened. Most notably, Republicans decided at 1 a.m. I think that was Thursday uh, that they were gonna kill the American uh, Care Act, or also known as Obamacare. Oh, they always I, decided that they wanted that. It's just, well, they actually they're... began doing it. Yeah. It happened. The vote happened, I believe at 1.50 AM Pacific Standard Time, so it was really late on the East Coast. Um, and I am one of the Americans affected. I I'm very lucky in that my emergency visit was that a year and a half ago was covered under that mm-hmm. and also that I had a you know just a standard checkup the other day and got my prescription also. But what this is actually doing is ceasing the uh, coverage of pre existing conditions that were present in people before Obamacare was uh, fucking thrown out. Not thrown out, but rolled out. Which I kind of support, except what if it's something that's really severe? Like diabetes, for instance. Yeah. Um, Because, yeah, it's kind of... It makes sense. Like, you shouldn't be able to get grandfathered into healthcare. Like, if you already... We'll use, like, a lesser problem. Like, say you have... um, shit I don't know like it's hard to say any condition is less Um, Uh, yeah that's why like I don't want to get too
1: deep into this topic especially on this podcast I mean it's uh, we're in for a pretty interesting ride starting Friday uh, just as far as how things are going to turn out and uh, a lot of things are going to be changing you can count on that
0: we're going to be talking about some of those changes later on the show and the mm-hmm. headlines. That's going to be about 40 minutes from now. So you can tune into that if you don't care about our small talk before the show starts. Like I said, that's something that happened this week. Something else that also happened this week, uh, L.A. got a bigger sports assembly. The Chargers have decided that they don't want to play in San Diego anymore. They're moving back to Los Angeles. If you didn't know, they were in L.A. up until I think it was the, the mid-'70s or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like They left right when the Rams came to town. Um, so yeah, they're coming back to LA. I'm not excited about that. It's already shitty enough that we have one bad team who's going to watch the Rams or the Chargers now. But they're going to be playing at the StubHub Center in Carson, California, where I went to high school. Um, so that's kind of cool. The City of Angels has two of every sports team now for or two of every sports franchise. So that's awesome. Yeah, two baseball teams, two hockey teams, basketball teams. Do we count football. the
1: Angels? I mean it's
0: Yeah, it's the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I know, it's it's so stupid. Like even if it wasn't, Anaheim is so close to LA that it counted anyway.
1: <sighs> I mean it's a different it county, counted. so
0: it always counted. And, and, if yeah. if someone is going to Disneyland, chances are they're flying to LAX. Yeah. So definitely. It's the same deal. It's LA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not a fan of that. I would be a much bigger fan if it was the Raiders, but they're supposed to be going in the Vegas. But just weird how this works, especially as not exactly a Los Angelino, but someone from the county, a native. Mm-hmm. And it's already bad enough with, you know, we got in, minimum wage increased on the first of the year. Not much. It was only 50 cents. But it's already hard enough to find not just a place to live, but especially a place to work. In this uh, country, let alone this county and this city. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, California is getting very expensive in general. You, It's like you could argue that, yeah, another sports team means a lot of jobs at the StubHub Center, except they already had people working there in the first place. Like, maybe they'll get more hours. That's good for them. But this is going to hurt things. This is going to probably increase um, gas or countless other things because they're going to assume that more people have money in the area. I don't know. We're going to find out in the year or two to come. Um, and by that point, we're going to be midway through a new presidency. So it's going to be very, very interesting. But I wouldn't be surprised if I took a, a page out of your book and I left LA also. <laughs> Just because, like, you can, if you have a dream, you can make it come true anywhere, oh, yeah, especially absolutely. with the internet. And I really can't live here anymore. It's not even the people. I mean, the people is part of it. But yeah, like, I mean, for I, me, I don't feel, feel like... nurtured.
1: Yeah. Me, it was not just, it was really economically driven. It was just kind of like, well, I had the best time I could in California. And unless it's for work, you know, I have no reason to really go back. Like, it'll always be a nice memory, memory to turn back to. And like, you know, just looking back at chapters of my life. But yeah, like I, I'm cool with moving forward and living in different places. That's a personal thing. Uh, economically, yeah, there are way better places to go to oh, than yeah. California right now. Like, it's just, it's getting insane. And, I mean, honestly, every time I'm there now, like, I I like being there for a day, but then I can't wait to leave again. That's why if I, it just the last two times that I went there uh, for Thanksgiving and for Christmas, I was literally there just for one day and then I left. And that was a good, healthy dose for me. It's like But I we... love where
0: I am right now, though if we were in the past i would say it's time for me to to join the circus and go on the road (laughs) um but yeah that's something that's going to be of the past now uh today matter of fact they announced that or yesterday i think it was that ringling brothers and barnum and bailey circus is going to cease performing altogether come may of this year so the greatest show on earth lasted 133 years they got a Oscar winning best picture film named after them and now it's over it began about two years ago when they decided to retire their elephants for lots of different reasons most notably like shit like uh, blackfish and people going hey this is bad for the animals Um, and so with the elephants gone people stopped coming and so now it's just not making any money that the circus is dead I don't think we're gonna ever have another circus again
1: I mean yeah it's that's sad. Yeah, that is very <laughs> interesting to think about. Like, I, I don't think... I, I've probably been to one circus my entire life, but, yeah, it's I did, not... I did Ringling really... Brothers
0: at the Long Beach Sports Arena yeah. in, um, I don't know, like, 96 or something is that like that the like only five? one?
1: Like, yeah, see, even for me, it hasn't been since the 90s. Like, right now, is just a modern form of entertainment. I don't know if it's really there. I don't know. It seems more like it's just... Seen just, as a bit of an old timey thing that it, it is kind of makes sense that it's fading away, but yeah, you it's we're going to be no, missing something at the same time.
0: It's no more old timey than the other things that this event company does because you know, Rangling Brothers doesn't own themselves straight up anymore. I mean, they mm-hmm. that's like the original merger with uh, what we call it, uh, the Parker Barnum Baileys. But what if it was, like, Barnum, and then they joined Bailey's, and then there was one Ringling Bro, and then the other one, and then all four of them merged? Anyway, that's a bad joke. But these are the same people that put on, like, the Disney on Ice, and, like, Marvel Avengers Live, and and they have, like, a live Sesame Street happening. So they still do the traveling big attraction, you know, yeah. like, Staples Center and shit. That's still what they're going to be doing, except now it's not going to be the circus.
1: Like, the yeah, death-defying stunts and all that. You're not going to yeah. see that much anymore. That's the train
0: animals a and bummer. all that. Yeah. I think Barnum and Bailey's is still getting a biopic... I want to say that Hugh Jackman's going to star in it, or at least that's what it was originally. Who knows where it is now? Like, I haven't heard anything about that in quite some time. But if there was ever a moment to make a film about the circus outside of, like, that Water for Elephants movie, Mm -hmm. uh, now would be it. Uh, Just capitalize on the idea that, yeah, the circus is dead now. This is... And, like, parents would go take their kids. Like, oh, yeah, when I was a kid, when the circus came to town, it was a big deal. Um, In terms of just VR, having, like... <laughs> you know, elephants and acrobats and stuff in VR. Just capture as a it for spectacle. one last go. That would be yeah. great. Yeah, it would be great. I mean, uh, like the Obamas, for instance. Barack and Michelle did like a White House tour in VR as their one of their farewell things. They also mm-hmm. gave Joe Biden the, the the medal of freedom, which was pretty awesome. Uh, you start crying during that. If you haven't seen that video, definitely check it out. Uh, But those are the things that ended this week. Those are probably the things that everyone's going to be talking about. And instead, like I said, we're going to be talking about tech TV, video games, that kind of stuff, the things that we talk about. So here's the teasers. It's the little things to get your attention. I know that was kind of good to begin with, but here's some more anyway. Uh, And we're going to begin right off the bat with Amazon. This is something that's already in effect. Uh, If you haven't heard of Amazon Prime channels, it's basically Amazon's version of of cable you already have amazon prime that gives you stuff to their prime library you got their music you got mm-hmm. their kindle lending library all these different kinds of stuff the app store whatever and if you have prime for an additional fee it ranges from like five to ten dollars a month or even fifteen in certain cases like hbo you can get a subscription of certain cable outlets and they just started doing something new it's what they call an anima- anime strike and this is made actually by amazon it's in-house branded video on demand package And it offers similar content such as Crunchyroll and Funimation with a couple exclusives, but this is anime, movies, and TV shows. Some of them air exactly the day that they air in Japan without dubbing. Uh, So this is them trying to target that certain audience, and I think that they're going to be doing a lot more of these to come. They said that they have more planned for uh, later this year. And I kind of wonder where those are going to be just in terms like maybe they have like a musical type thing where they film stuff live on Broadway. I don't know. But I I think that they really have to keep doing a specialized audience for these channels to really take off because then it really buys into the name. Like it's a channel, Mm kind of like on cable. Um, But yeah, Anime Strike is already out there. You can already do – I think it's like a 48 – no, it's probably a seven-day trial, a four-day trial. You can already do it, and it's on Prime. I've already seen it. So really, really cool that they – Cause that's a big, 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 big uh, audience too. And
1: I mean, am I fair in assuming that this is stuff that's not being distributed easily in the United States? So it's well, like uh, I said, it's there's exclusive content, right? There's Crunchyroll
0: so... and there's Funimation and then there's VRV and there's like a couple other outlets like that. And mm-hmm. then you even have like Cartoon Network and and, and and outlets on traditional TV. But yeah, they have a couple exclusives that I don't think you can get anywhere readily available. Uh, Maybe they were already on Amazon and iTunes for purchase, but in a subscription model, like, no. And I don't think Cable even has a dedicated anime channel anymore, anyway. Like, he was, like, Funimation, it was a part of, like, the Toonami block, almost said Tainami. (laughs) We'll be talking about that in a minute. Um, but th- I think this is really cool like I said I, I'm more interested I'm not an anime person anymore I never really was I was more into manga but I, I am curious to see what Amazon does next because they have the original movies and their TV shows this is their own a channel that they've made in house and they can potentially make something really really cool um, who knows what it could be like I would love to see a return to like the TCM type of thing where you get a special person to come in to pick programming Mm-hmm. Maybe they call it like Amazon, like a tour channel where it is monthly programming that is decided by a certain director and it's just yeah, whatever that would they be want. Great. That'd be great. Right. I know, uh, what is it? movie They have something like that where it's a constant rotation of shit or criterion actually has this too. If you have love struck, but or film struck, I mean, <laughs> but Amazon is like, I, I haven't Same heard difference
1: it. to a cinephile.
0: I haven't heard anything about Filmstruck since it was launched. I haven't heard a single thing. Yeah. Like Direct TV now, I've heard a lot of stuff. It's supposed to be really, really bad. Um, like, just lots of bugs here and there. But Filmstruck, no. I have like, heard at a single the
1: thing. I've catalog for it, and it's, it's, it's great. But then, yeah. at the same time, how often are you going to really check into that? Yeah. It's, that's yeah. what...
0: I almost got Hulu Plus back in the day when all of the Criterion Collection was on that. Because yeah, like, it was love a it was like if you watched one Criterion movie a month, it paid for itself. Mm-hmm. And I mean, now. It's, yeah, <laughs> I mean,
1: for me, it's more like, you know what? Criterion might be like once a month or once every two months because they get like, uh, the, you know, they, they get uh, mainly cerebral stuff for foreign uh, underdogs that no one's really ever heard of. And I love digging into that stuff, but it's like, I'm not going to binge on that, you know? Like, hmm. I, I take it when I'm in the mood. Like, the last one I saw was Bitter Rice, and, you know, it's not like uh, I was excited to see it. You know, I wanted to see it for a long time, but I wasn't going to, like, rush to that immediately and then watch uh, D- Jacques Tati's parade right after, you know? Like, there's a good space of time in between those viewings.
0: Like, I think I might pick Le Samurai for uh oh, Cinema Soon, just dude. because I want, like, a really bizarre noir film, and I uh, think that might be the right not one. It's not
1: bizarre. It's very quiet. Like, I think it's... It's fair to say that I think Drive was actually very much influenced by that movie. But yeah, La Samurai is a very quiet, very slow burn, but carefully crafted movie. It's really yeah, fucking I just, good.
0: I haven't seen a sleuth flick in, uh, in a little bit of time now, and I want to see someone try to unravel a mystery. So maybe I'll do a Criterion version of that. Um, we're, we're talking about anime. Stick mm-hmm. with Japan for just a second here. We all know how much I love VR porn. I think everyone <laughs> loves VR porn. That's experienced it anyway, uh, but yeah, the Japanese do too. One of their pornography distributors, which has just the most ironic title, Soft on Demand, is set to introduce uh, VR headsets to its Akihabara location soon. Um, and I was reading about this, and I even posted it just normally on Facebook mm-hmm. on my I know, personal I saw that. account. This sounds like the coolest idea ever. Not the actual <laughs> content. Like, yeah, sure, pornography on the VR headset. Um, But they have, like, this store in Akihabara, which is, like, geek central uh, Japan, or, like, worldwide. It's, like, a mecca for just geekdom. And so they have a building there where you can rent rooms. They're soundproofed. It's, like, a modern-day X-rated theater. And so up (laughs) until they introduced VR into their catalog, it was, like, you know, watch your hentai, watch your actual porn, whatever... And it's super cheap. It's $5 an hour or $25 for the whole day. And as of right now, because this is, like, a VR incentive, you can do the VR content for free, I think. It's to, like, just attract visitors. But $25 a day, like, that's nothing. Like, I don't know if they're open 24 hours and you literally get, like, midnight to midnight or whatever. But even if it's just, like, 9 to 5. Yeah. It's like I posted on Facebook. Like, you want to go to Japan? You want to, like, go to Tokyo and, like, <laughs> rent a place for really cheap? Fuck Airbnb. Don't do a hotel. Do this. Like, live in a porn house. It's 25 bucks. It's plus insane, free porn. It's that man. Like, if it's 24 hours, that's... Right? You know,
1: with VR, like, you especially being more immersed into VR, like because you've had more time with it but like I don't even holy seriously crap, I don't that is scary how I, damaging I really just
0: don't give a fuck about that. I know I mean, like <laughs> the,
1: the idea is awesome on paper but it's like oh man I can imagine just you would come out of that so drained and probably be like never or like it would come be into such it a pretty drained
0: actually. <laughs> I think that's more accurate. Uh, but I think drained on purpose. I but. I do wonder if this is something I mean not the similar category not oh yeah VR porn house basically but I do wonder if the VR arcade of this nature uh-huh. could exist in America because I really do hope it does. Uh, Inevitably I, I think it. Uh, maybe not right now, but I do think so. I just, yes. you know, I did the. I I forgot to do the research into the IMAX VR this week. Got busy with <laughs> Final Fantasy Fifteen, but that's like the closest thing we have at a big scale. I mean, because other than that, it's mostly been. Just uh, like one-off things like that Ghostbusters dimensions thing we talked about mm-hmm. um, when Ghostbusters came out was that like July or whatever yeah. and and then there there's also uh the void which is in I want to say that's in Nevada or it's uh Utah actually so there's like a couple of destinations but it's you know it's like a theme park you pay. A really high fee. You get to do your specialized experience, and then it's over, and you don't get to redo it. But this is full on, kind of like we were talking about Vegas. Uh, when was that? I don't know. Like it's hard to pinpoint dates now. I think that was October. Um, but Vegas is gonna potentially have like VR gambling, right? And that's closer in tune to something like this because I think VR really—you don't have to keep on doing it to really enjoy it, but having just varied experiences at once really sells it more so than something like you did. Like, doing Batman VR in one go is a certain experience. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a pretty good VR experience just because it it is fairly in-depth, like you do get immersed. Uh... But it's not the same as, say, oh, try this short film and this short film and here's a game and here's this. Like, if you spent the same amount of time that you actually did with my PSVR and you did, like, a cornucopia of content, <laughs> you would have walked away with just a, a better understanding of what it has to offer. And instead, you went, you know, you did the one thing, just like I'm sure most people in Japan are going to pay the the $5 for the hour, do the VR thing, nut once and then leave. Like... That's it. Like that's all they wanted. It's soundproof too. So who knows? <laughs> like I can imagine, like people like bringing their girlfriend and actually fucking in one of these rooms because it's five dollars an hour. Like, you know how expensive a hotel is. Not even a hotel. Oh, yeah, a hotel no. Hotel is.
1: Like, it's like forty bucks an hour for that. Isn't no. it? No, even well, for cheap I, well, ones. Well, that's
0: like a. That's like a, a fucking. You know pch hotel those don't exist really but like motel six i saw the price the other day it's like it's like 80 bucks that's for one, for one hour night. no that's one night oh yeah
1: no no for one night that like it's it's usually what i think like 40 bucks per an hour and 80 for the night
0: well most motels you can't get for that or like i said you have to be in a certain part of town and you don't want to sleep there anyway um but no like 80 dollars a night seems like a shit ton of money it is. I mean, like, to
1: me, you and me, it probably is. Because um, I, been... you know, when I am traveling, I have to stay mm-hmm. in hostels for, like, 20, sometimes 30 bucks a night. Like, that's that's the best I can do.
0: That's cheap. That works.
1: Yeah, I know. Like, that's that's why we have youth hostels. You know, they're perfect for us while we're young and we're traveling. That's And it makes it great for us, especially. It makes it so that we can travel and socialize with other people. But, yeah, getting a hotel room, like... To me, that shit is expensive. So, I like, think we're I'm, at a
0: point now where Airbnb can hopefully just overcome and, like, hotels practically go out of business outside of the ones that are in a civic center. Because, like, crowdsourcing is the future in terms of all things. Like, it's been doing well within the past
1: year, but a- Airbnb is, like, you know, it's it's like with Uber or anything, like... There is some sketchy aspects to it cause, I mean, which yeah. it's inevitably going to happen. So I don't know. Like, I, I think people might at least be willing to pay extra if they feel comfortable knowing that something is legit.
0: It's like that's the thing, though. Like staying in a motel that charges by the hour is mm-hmm. just as sketchy. It's just like they have a business license. Yeah, which is actually but that really does give funny. people comfort. If you if you want a good conversation about business license and what it means like to work uh-huh. at home, that's going to be in the headlines. That's going to be about 30 minutes from now. You can skip ahead if you want to hear a more interesting conversation. Um, hmm. This this is a pretty cool hmm. teaser, though. I like this news item this week. Uh, Khan is said to be creating a television festival for next year. I think it's going to be separate from their film festival. It might be not even the same month. But television is so big now that Khan... The most prestigious film festival on the planet is going to be doing television. I almost don't even know if that's real. Like, I feel like it was a fake news item when I saw it. <laughs> I know it's real for a fact, but I was like, uh...
1: TV is so well-respected now that I, I, I don't know, I can't say I'm surprised. You want to really? do a
0: comedy bit really fast? What? It's like, how respected do you think it is, Steve?
1: I mean, like, uh, just, really, like, uh, I mean, what are you talking about, like, as far as awards? No, it's the comm,
0: com, you're, you're, how, how, how respected do you think it's going to be? And you go, I don't know, Brian, how respected. Oh, mess okay, it up. how
1: respected, Brian?
0: Uh, so respected that the Coen brothers are going to be doing it. They're making uh, <laughs> uh, Western anthology series it's going to be produced by annapurna television and it's titled the ballad of buster scruggs it's going to be written and directed by them who knows how long like i said it's anthology it doesn't even have a station yet or a network so it's it's just in the pre-production phase um but that's as big as a name it gets especially for a duo uh and they kind of just did make a western in some respects with with hail caesar um or you could have said true grit, but I mean well, well how true grit Caesar is, is how though? is a true Western. Just what
1: the movie within the movie stuff for Hail Caesar?
0: A little bit, but you like the, the yeah, yeah. if you had a real star of that besides uh the whatchamacallit character, besides James Brolin, I mean mm-hmm. Josh Brolin rather, it's uh it's Han Solo and he's a Western character. And yeah. just like Hollywood is the wild west in the movie and so is the West that they're making in the movie, um and a couple other things and <laughs> No, I don't. I don't and then, yeah, also True Grid, and then if you want to go further than that, Blood Simple, and even uh, like Miller's Crossing. So you know, they, they. Well, I mean, that's less of that's more of a gangster movie.
1: Well, you know, I mean, as much as I'm not crazy about TV, than other people are. Like, you know, what's great about this with talent getting involved is that they can literally jump into different mediums and tell a story at whatever length they feel is suited for that.
0: Well, what well, I'm if troubled. they're able to
1: get backing from something as big as Annapurna, and also if there's something that like con which gives television more uh just status and respect that it does deserve then i mean that's nothing but a good thing yeah i i don't know what do you think pilot season might be a good time for this to for
0: this i don't know it depends yeah. on if they have another movie that they're working on or not even a movie just a script i mean like i would much rather them you know i mean s- for the festival like for oh i would do it yeah. oh yeah i i know i i I'm not sure. Like I said, right now, it was just them raising a flag going, hey, guess what? We're getting a TV. And their timing was perfect because it was right after the Golden Globes. Um, so, you know, that's when everyone its like the end of the TV season. Everyone's talking about what won. Uh, most notably, you know, we, we championed Donald Glover, even though both of us haven't seen Atlanta yet. And I want to. I really do. Um here's a big reason to do so. He just signed an overall deal with FX, so he's going to be making stuff there for a the time being. We're sadly going to have to wait until at least 2018 for a return to Atlanta or whatever else he's working on cuz he's busy going to be Lando Calrissian. <laughs> so that's bringing Star Wars full circle there. We got the new yeah, Han Solo and, and in it LCS this are. February, I think. Yeah, they're probably like setting like doing the action set pieces right now, like working with the scent coordinators and everything. As there was a photo that was online uh, like last week of the two Han Solos getting lunch together, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a similar picture with the uh, the two Landos. Um, I still, I swear to God, if we don't get the like the Han telling like reading the story to his kids thing, like this isn't like the storybook uh, opening and closing if they don't put Harrison Ford in this film
1: you don't expect it way too much right away man like it it could be great regardless of it not opening it that way make it princess I know Bride meek star Wars. you would fall for it if it does it that way but that won't make the movie suck if that's not what they do no but there
0: should be don't
1: push too hard for it man because if it doesn't happen you, then you're going to be or, disappointed
0: or fuck the, those are like the two great examples the never ending story also um I'm just, just saying. Frame don't, it around a storybook. Don't
1: push for it too hard, man, because if they you you'll be very disappointed if it doesn't happen and they do something else.
0: Well, here's something that we've been expecting for like a over a decade now. There's a little bit of news on it, but it's kind of major. Uh, the Avengers Infinity War. Mm-hmm. It has three people on the cast for sure now. That's Gamora, Spider-Man, and possibly Peter Dinklage playing a huge role. No one knows who that is. It's probably going to be someone real pivotal. Um, but yeah, Spider-Man and one of the Guardians of the Galaxy are 100% in the big... The Guardians were already confirmed that they would show up. Maybe. like, it, like anyone or was that speculate? We talked about this. When Gamora is the daughter of fucking Thanos, then yeah. yeah, it's basically confirmed, but this was an actual confirmation, and like I said, the same goes for Spider-Man. So that that's pretty cool. It's going to hopefully if they get at least one of the television people in there too, it will just feel really 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 epic. Because, you know, Avengers 1 pretty epic, but Batman vs Superman and I'm it's not because I'm even DC fanboy. Tons more epic. Even though it's just two people or I guess you could say three and then if you count the cameos like fucking six um but I will say it
1: it definitely feels like a bigger movie with actual ramifications whereas the first Avengers it's just a fun you know comic book movie hey let's let's save the world movie a Batman versus Superman there are there are actual stakes that are felt there but it, epic. oh my god like yeah just wasn't it like some like fifty six characters that they were talking about juggling in something this like movie that, yeah. way back? So yeah, it's a possibility. Like it's, yeah, that's a totally it's plausible. Saying.
0: I think it's like sixty four or something like that.
1: It, it's it's definitely above fifty. Yeah, um, it's
0: it's too many characters.
1: I we'll see how they handle it. Um, God, it's it's almost a year now. Yeah, like uh, sixteen months from now, we'll have seen it. Well, that's um, insane.
0: Across the aisle, DCs just announced something else of their own. Uh, David S. Goyer and Justin Rhodes are going to be penning DC's Green Lantern core movie. This is something that was on the calendar. Well, not on the calendar, but it was one of the films that was shown off at least the logo anyway at Comic-Con when they announced the DC Extended Universe. And this is going to star Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. So it's going to have the black cop, white cop team up. Uh, So that's going to make lots of people happy, especially Green Lantern fans. I don't really care. It's David S. Goyer. So I really don't care about that. Um, but I, what I am excited about, less so about this news item in particular, was what The Rock did on social media. He took to Twitter and Instagram saying that he met with DC, most notably Jeff Johns, and that they kind of talked about Shazam and, more importantly, his Black Adam character. And he mm-hmm. said, like, I really like the way they're going. Trust me, by the time it gets to our movie, it's going to be a totally different thing. It's going to have, like, a real, like, heartwarming tone, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So I think Justice League is going to start that this year. Um, I mean, Wonder Woman maybe is not going to because it's more of a war film, but by the time we get to Justice League at the end of the year, it's going to really hit that uh, stride, And then with the films to come, it's just going to expand and expand into a much more digestible and more, quote-unquote, popcorn flick territory, where it's not all doom and gloom and look how beautiful this is, but oh, man, is it dark type of shit. <laughs> uh, and Green Lantern is that perfect kind of thing. It would be awesome. I know it won't happen, but it would be really cool if Ryan Reynolds could get a cameo in that Green <laughs> Lantern movie. Um, uh, as a anything. joke, yeah,
1: I totally would uh... –
0: yeah, like, why couldn't that happen? It could totally happen. I hope It totally it could, yeah. I hope it happens. Because that's going to be... They just started writing this thing. hmm So, by the time they film that, for all we know, Fox could reboot their X-Men universe, and Deadpool won't even exist the way we know him anymore. So, anything's possible. It'd be cool mm-hmm. just flat out if they just cast him as Hal Jordan. <laughs> I wouldn't exactly want it, but he made a really great Green Lantern... He I, did him against Ezra Miller because Green Lantern and The Flash, or at least Hal Jordan and uh, Barry Allen, they are just like uh, like a tandem within the Justice League, and I can see Ryan Reynolds and Ezra Miller having really great chemistry, since, especially since Ezra Miller is so young. Like they, it would mm-hmm. be really funny, like, almost like he's teaching them on the job type of thing. Um, but yeah, I'm not the person that came up with this. The whole internet was saying it because when you've already played Green Lantern, you can do it again. Or yeah I mean, he's been a vampire. You gotta look, you gotta be Deadpool twice? To (laughs) sand. If you can do that twice, you can do Green Lantern twice. Uh, but yeah, that's the teasers. Here's the Penny Thoughts. These are the things that we review in the middle of the show just to give us, give you an idea about our viewpoint, since you haven't exactly got it anyway. And it also kind of just lets us unload our critical opinion because we do do Death Cinema once a week. That comes out every Wednesday. We do dollar our reviews every once in a while. We have several shows. I'll be talking about them once we finish talking about Penny Thoughts. But this is just something that we definitely do every Sunday. Um, so I'll start. I, I didn't do much this week. Like I oh I didn't say it on here. Uh, I said it during our episode of Samurai Cop, which you can listen mm-hmm. to on Wednesday. Uh, I didn't. That's the only movie I watched this week. So I did a lot of other stuff instead. The main thing that I did was uh, watch Awesome Games Done Quick twenty seventeen. Uh, This is something that I've been aware of for about four years now. It's on Twitch. Well, it's on Twitch now anymore. They do awesome games done quick, and they also do summer games done quick. And what this is is speedrunning, which is a very niche thing in the video game community. Basically, the concept is, how fast can I beat a video game? So these are people that play and play and play play games until they break them in certain cases. They use glitches where you go through wall, which is walls, which is called clipping, or maybe they abuse the mechanics so they're running faster than they should be. All kinds of stuff. You watch this thing, all of it is archived on YouTube. You can watch hundreds and hundreds of hours of people speedrunning from just these marathons alone, and then also just people in the community. But what Games Done Quick, what they do every... Uh, January, and then I think it's going to be July, it's every six months they do these marathons where they get a ton of people on Twitch to come in, go to whatever uh, hotel or conference that they're at, they do it in front of the audience there, they do it in front of the global audience, so I think there was like, it ended last night, and at its peak when it got to the final game, Undertale, there was over 200,000 people watching at once, and the whole purpose for this is for people to donate for a good cause. 100 percent of the pre- proceeds go to the Prevent Cancer Foundation, and they made over 200 million this year or not Jeez. 200 million, two million, excuse me. They made 2.2 okay. 2 million.: That's this still year. big, but yeah. way big. That, the most they'd ever made until this year was like 1.7. So they raised it about half a million more than they usually do. Which means in the summer, if the the trend continues, it could be two and a half, and that's just really exciting. But it's more, it's just fun to watch the event. They had some really, really great runs this year. They did a mystery one where they had four competitors and they didn't know what games they were going to do. So the first one was a four and four, four race on like Donkey Kong, um, Donkey Konga, that GameCube game where you actually use the Congo drums, and then that went into like a Wii game and something else. Uh, there was like. A donkey kong country trilogy relay race of course lots of zelda they had like a task bot section where that's where you program a computer to do frame perfect stuff so you can literally beat the game with robot assistance, or rather um assistance as fast as possible uh i think some of the cooler stuff i watched was the awful games done quick where they had like really poor like they did like a bible game and 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 some other shit but they had um like a super mario uh the original super mario number one speedrun with four people um just if you've never watched speedrunning before especially like a a event of this caliber it's it's really different especially because it takes what video gaming is you know it's a medium that's kind of preserved for a singular experience especially these older uh, titles and and mind you these speedrunners they do everything from like Atari to present day so the final game that ended the uh, the marathon was Undertale that came out in 2015 so there's mm-hmm. or like the, the new Doom that came out this year or this past year 2016 it came out like May there were already people speedrunning that so sometimes a game comes out and they already know how to do it like uh, some of the stuff I've seen like there, there really is no threshold to what they're possible or what's capable like there I'm like 65 hours in on Final Fantasy 15 someone already beat it in less than 10 hours So it's just it's a fascinating little niche, which uh, doesn't really exist anywhere else. Um, Like I said, and this is on Twitch, too. So that's like a big Mm -hmm. boon. They had 200,000 people watching just this this weekend. And it was a whole week marathon. Um, Other than that, I did some video gaming. I I finished Resident Evil 6 last night. It took me over three years. Uh, I did the whole thing. There's a reason for that. I did it. As is you a, a pussy? I know that. No, no. Resident Evil 6 is not <laughs> even close to scary. Um, this is a, a game that I played 100% with my buddy Luis, who's been on this show and also Dollar Reviews. Um, we all we played it 100% on the couch together, split-screen co-op. So I, I bought the game because he insisted. Uh, it was it was like April of 2014, and we finally beat it in January of 2017. So just about three years and like the other reason is, it's not the only game we play together. Like we play video games at least once a week online. But this is something like it's on my PS3. He has to play it here, and he made me buy the game in the first place. It was like twenty bucks, and it was still that was too much money. Over sixty hours of gameplay in it. It's, like I said, we played for three years, and then twenty bucks is still too much. It's like not the best game ever made. Um, and the final thing I did was uh, I'd oh first off. Awesome Games Done Quick. Any Games Done Quick event, buy that for a dollar. I love watching it. It's a marathon, so it doesn't matter what day of the week, what time of the day. It's always running 24-7. There's funny commentary, good jokes, bad jokes, whatever. And it's all for charity too, which is really cool. Um, the final thing I did this week, I checked out the first episode of Netflix's Series of Unfortunate Events, which is actually uh, really good. I, I don't know if <laughs> Not if, but when I'm going to check out the rest of the uh, season. There's only seven other episodes. The way they do it is I think it's just, yeah, it's the first four books of the series. Yeah, and they do it's yeah, two they, episodes for each book. Mm-hmm. So they have yeah. an hour, they have two hours for each book, and they do it in a half. So it's really cool, and just the way it sets up with Patrick Warburton doing uh, the actual Lemony Snicket narration, like he's the character, mm-hmm. um, very green screen heavy and very digital. But now they'll I have like, like, um, cutaways and all kinds of cool stuff that he's doing and just the characters. Um, I don't know. I liked how they set him up,
1: though, like when they first introduced I saw the
0: first five minutes, by the way. Um, oh, well, that's not enough.
1: I'll, I'll tell you this. I stopped right at the moment when they quote James Brown. Um, that's not me saying that I'm giving up on the show, but that was just me reacting to it and going, "Yeah, I just don't think I want to watch this right now." No,
0: yeah, it's a very weird yeah. thing. So are the books. So is the movie. I
1: did read the books though. As a kid, I stopped right at the second to last one. I think just because I got too old by the time that the you uh, read for very quite last some one. time.
0: If you finally got too old after like 20 books, Oh, no, there's like 13.
1: No, there's more than that. No, there's th- there's 13. They Google stopped that at right 13. Now. I think I'm they...
0: Is it only 15? I thought it was... 13. Like, I thought it was like 23 books or something crazy. No, no,
1: no, no. It's 13. I look, um, I'm going to look this up. Yeah, no. I'm pretty sure
0: it's 13. I mean, I could ask Tyler, but he's not on our show. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's this number. Of course he knows. Uh, I mean, 13 sounds like the smart choice just because of bad luck and all that shit. Um, and it aired on Friday the 13th, too. Um, yeah, no,
1: but it went on for uh, like...
0: Yeah, 13. The, You're right.
1: Yeah, and um, let's see, I think it stopped, yeah, that series went on for like seven years or something. Yeah, something yeah I was in high school by the time that, no, the, yeah, um, we, we're that the last one came out. I was
0: like... I was too old when the series even began. I remember I was in middle school, I was already reading Harry Potter, and I kind of stopped at that point. But I was moving on to like not young adult fiction. Like I was still reading comic books at that point. So the I was... series
1: began when I was like in third grade like it was around the same time really? Harry Potter came out yeah like way back in the 90s late I think it was 99 I just i would never started. even heard of it
0: but I picked it up I think it was like in sixth grade and I read the first three yeah it so, became
1: pretty big in uh like 2001 yeah, it was, 2002 right before
0: the movie came out with Jim Carrey yeah yeah um but yeah this this show especially when they get to count off mm-hmm. oh my god Neil Patrick Harris is so over the top like it's perfect for him Like, you know, this is someone that wants to be on Broadway. He's, he's a magician, like him getting to do big wardrobes and prosthetics and stuff and not having to rely like on his good looks Mm -hmm. must be really freeing for him. I know he can't wait till the second season. It's already got like good reviews. Like I can't imagine a better adaptation. Like as someone who's not even that big a fan of the work to begin with, I, I do appreciate the humor and they get it perfectly on the show especially when it comes to the vocabulary words which is like a big thing this is a scholastic book every every couple of pages at least once a chapter it'd be like and this was capricious oh and that means this like you know they just which here means yeah yeah and they do it on the show in that first episode i think they taught like four or five words oh
1: yeah no within the first five minutes it happens real quick um and like
0: and all the kids are like yeah yeah we know what that word means You know, I love,
1: though, just, like, the tone of the show, even though it's overbearing. Like, within that title sequence, they make it very clear, like, hey, this is unpleasant, shut it off, which, you know, for me, like, I don't know, I guess as a kid, even though it wasn't Uh an emo thing, necessarily, or a dark goth thing with me at all, like, I was just pulled in by the title because when I was a kid... I liked things that seemed darker and more serious just because they seemed more intense and kind of more honest. Like that's that's just the way I, I was. So every time they said like, oh, and it's very dark sad and miserable and you should turn it off, I was like, No, 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 no. I'm I'm gonna fucking keep going. You know, it's like that forbidden fruit where like you always have that warning as a kid, like, hey, don't go there, and I'm just like, nah, fuck it. I'm going over there. I'm I'm gonna see what this is all about. Like, you know, I, I don't know, that title sequence just like it's so joyously like playing with that and I feel like I should be annoyed with it, but I'm not. And also, yeah, I do really want to keep going with the show because I was just shocked by the credits of the people I saw that were working on this. I mean, Bo Welch is the production designer. You know, he um
0: Nope, I don't know.
1: <laughs> he did a bunch of uh of Tib Burns stuff. Like I'm pretty sure oh, it has that uh, kind of look. Yeah. Yeah, no, like uh, he's you've definitely seen uh his sets. I'm pretty sure he did the sets for uh the original nineteen eighty nine Batman.
0: It's like for better and Edwards or worse. Is hands. Like James show? Newton
1: Howard fucking composed a score. It's like that is, that is big talent even for Netflix. Like, I have to fucking see it.
0: If for better or worse, this looks a lot like the movie. It just it has uh it's coming from a just better place. You know, this isn't mm-hmm. a, a rush development. Um this is something that just in terms of Netflix production lasted a very very long time the, yeah, the internet I mean, was real crazy about how long it was taking and, and just we the could...
1: structure of the movie itself doesn't work cramming the yeah. first three books and then giving it the ending of the first book and just
0: it's uh... kind of like what they did with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy it's not always a great <laughs> idea to adapt a series into a singular film but hey that's neither here nor there and we could keep on trying to talk about this but there's a podcast out there called Unfortunate Associates who's much better they're a friend of the show so yeah. they wanted me to play this for you so have a listen if you've heard the dreadful tale of the Baudelaire orphans in a series of unfortunate events, then you know their story is to be avoided at all costs. But if you choose to delve into this yarn of terrible circumstances, treacherous situations, and despicable men who seek to steal the riches of orphans, then seek out the Unfortunate Associates podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere you find podcasts. Every week, myself, Tyler, and my co-host, B, discuss the series of unfortunate events books, films, and now
1: the Netflix original series. Here's a clip of what you can expect when you tune in to Unfortunate Associates. Unfortunate Associates
0: if Sunny is stuck there with the suicide note from Aunt Josephine, she would just look at it and be
1: like, "I know that I can't read it." Yes, I'm a baby. Yes, <laughs> That's I what am she a baby. When I imagine Sunny, I imagine her walking around with like sunglasses and a leather jacket, like all the time.
0: <laughs> the tiniest leather jacket. <sighs> So, yeah, that's their podcast. They are the number one Series of Unfortunate Events podcast on iTunes, so you should give them a listen, give them a review, give them anything. Tyler's a good friend of the show. He's been on Two Cents a good amount of times, so I think like five. He's been on Debt to Cinema and also Dollar Reviews, so he's been on just about everything we've done but a few dollars more. And we've also been on his Cynical Cartoons podcast. I would still love to go on uh, the Adam Sandcast, which I just... <laughs> Great name. He works for Anna Ferris though. He he works on her podcast. So he's trying to do lots of things. He's trying to get lots of guests for this show in particular. Uh, so I'm very, very excited for him. Not good um, for him, man. I'm, I'm going to give it a listen. I'm curious what their review for the first episode is. Uh, but what are the three things you checked out this week?
1: Oh, boy. Um, Where should I start? I guess, well, I'll start with one that I know you saw. I saw the remake of The Blob, which, and this is a Terror Tuesday, by the way, Brian. Uh-huh. Uh, not like Terrible what you... Tuesday. No, no, no. I mean, because it's not a terrible movie, first of all. It's a pretty awesome movie. Like, I mean, first off, you know what? You're right. Drama's mullet in this. Awesome. Pretty awesome. Just drama in this in general, pretty awesome. Follow I Follow mean, him
0: on Twitter. I mean, on Twitter, <laughs> on Instagram. You got no, one dude. now. Kevin Dillon has an Instagram. Check oh, it out. Oh, man.
1: Like, they amp up this movie, like, so well. Like, th- this should be, like... um I guess for what The Thing from Another World was and then what John Carpenter's The Thing ended up being, it's like a huge leap like that. Almost. And I I feel like, you know, maybe that's a bad bar that I should put it at because it's like, at its best, though, this movie is that good, where it's like, it's pretty much as good as The Thing. And you know, it's funny because they actually played the trailer for The Thing on 35 right before my screening. But then, I don't know, at the same time, it's like... this frustrates me because i probably see three movies a year like this where it's like the stuff in there is so good and yet i feel like it should be better like like the movie has just so much great stuff that it just demands to be better and this ends up just kind of being you know a throwback to like a fun 50s b movie that it was based on and it ends up being a really fun movie but it's like I mean, and it, it, it just, it goes crazy, but I just, I feel like this should be great. Like, right. you know, not, not like just pretty awesome and epic, but like it, it, I feel like it just has to be a great monster movie. There's a and,
0: couple of scenes that are awesome. Most oh, yeah. notably for me, like the, the lookout, like the, the make out point sequence. Um, Kevin Dillon on the motorcycle because he, he is pretty badass. The movie theater scene which I talked about yes. already like, like two cents forever ago. Oh my god like um, th-
1: just the way that they up it here because in the 50s when it's like you know okay the blob itself which holy shit by the way dude the gore oh, yeah, in this so like it so is good. this would have creeped me the fuck out as a kid. I wish I saw this as a kid because I would love the shit out of this movie like, now. But the mid '80s like, it fucking when... creeped me out when I saw this and like in the theater, and I just did not expect it to be that scary. I was thinking, oh, the '50s Blob, like what the fuck could the remake do? Holy shit, man! Like this thing is a monster.
0: I when you get to the mid '80s, they perfected yes, like the real. Special effect, like the practical effect, mm-hmm. they perfected it. You look at this and two other horror remakes of the same like year. You got The Fly by David still Gronenberg, and yeah. you have The Thing by John Carpenter. You throw those two together with the Blob remake, and it's it just like, how is this not CG? I mean, like, to
1: be fair, there are obvious moments of uh, rear screen there, projection, yeah. But even still, but... it's
0: it's so Fucking good looking. I know, like, like the whole movie, like m- maybe not just the, the way movie it's shot. theater scene
1: in this uh-huh. though. Like, what I love that they added to it is that's basically the same scene. Yeah. But then they add a strobing light in there, and like, just to me, that's a fucking brilliant touch. Just to make it that much scarier to get the fuck out of there. Like, ah oh, man, like it was so brilliant. And yet, I I only gave the movie three stars on Letterboxd. And I just feel like, oh man, it's so good. And yet, for some reason, it's just not great. And it's like it's it's frustratingly awesome for me. It's, like, it's a good I movie. Hate that, it's just it's not. Yeah, it's. I, I know. I'm not.
0: I didn't buy it. I can't buy it. It's okay. It's not quite scary, except it's a horror film. It's an action movie. It has, but like the action beats aren't that great. You have it's got ass- like,
1: it's got a lot of great beats actually. Like the you know every character has their moment. I mean uh, Johnny Drama. You know he fucking has, like, some really big badass moments where it's like, you know, if I was watching this as a kid, like, mom- you know, for example, I'm not going to say what it was, but, like, if he's yelling at something at somebody through um, a walkie-talkie, you know, no, and then the payoff way. for that, no, like, way. that that would be shit that I would go nuts for as a kid. I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm like, uh, you know, I was at a, a, a sold-out screening for this, right? Like, mm-hmm. th- and it was a lot of fun to see this on theater with a crowd uh, in 35. Like, just, you know... It's like stepping back into fucking 1988 and watching a movie like for the first time like that. I love it when I get experiences like that, and yet I just feel like fuck. Like I was simultaneously just kind of pumped when the credits started, and at the same time I was like, why the fuck isn't this more awesome though? And it's like, ah, it, it it seems unfair, but yeah, I just I, just I don't know. Is. is that a fair feeling though? No, no.
0: Like, like I was the same way. Like I I really enjoyed it when I did my yeah. like, Halloween horrorthon this past year. It it didn't suck. I, I was consistently happy I was watching it. Like, the lookout point and the movie theater scenes, I mm-hmm. showed those to the girl I was doing at the time. Like, I was like, we weren't watching the movie. I was just, have you seen this before? No. You got to see this shit. And I just <laughs> put it on because perfect clips. Just so good. Uh, especially with the guy trying to like date rape the girl, but then she turned out to be a blob. And then <laughs> instead of him fucking her, he got fucked and turned into the blob too. Like well, just the humor. So, in this movie, yeah, the, it's which, so yeah, Frank funny. Darabon is one of the
1: writers on this, yeah. by the way, like yeah. th- there's just so much great stuff. Like even the movie within the movie of like the uh-huh. hockey mask slasher. It's not hockey
0: season. It's a fun creature feature. It's just, yeah, it's just that's that. the thing. It's like, it's, it's just, just that
1: it's just that it's like, there's so much talent here and there's so much great stuff it's like fuck movie why can't you be more than that like i mean especially just it's I, I feel satisfying. like setting up giving me though the trailer for the thing before that which is a movie that a ended up being a great monster movie as well as just more than that and it's like uh i maybe that's the false expectation but Man, like, I really felt in the first act of this, like, holy shit, this is really going somewhere. There's great setups there. And then it goes into batshit insane conspiracy theory territory, which is fun, but it's like, I I don't know, I feel like you could have done something really clever there that would have been awesome. And then it's just like, no, we're just going to be the fun, kind of retarded, but kind of awesome. Uh, just monster be a movie and
0: it's it, it's yeah, a remake it's, it's, of a B budget movie it yeah. feels like a B budget movie and that's all it is and it's satisfied know, with being that I mean there's there's not any emotional stakes really. There's I no, wish there was though. There's That's no love like, story yeah. that you care about. Like there's nothing. It's just like who's going to survive, who's going to die. Like everyone's expendable, and it's kind of fun being that kind of thing. And yeah, but the
1: characters are fun though. I mean, yeah. it's like it's got the good setup for that stuff, and it's just like
0: it just doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. It's, just, it's it's just a solid movie that is middle of the road. It's, but you should still watch it. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it, and, and I recommend it to other people. I can't buy it for a dollar, but it, it's it's a fun watch, especially in Halloween. Mm-hmm. What else do you see?
1: But um, back to 2016, I...
0: Uh,
1: excuse me. I saw I saw Silence, and um, I, I promise that Yawn one. is not a reflection of how sure long and that? boring this movie is. No. <laughs> um, it is deliberately long, deliberately slow, but it's a, a great, quiet epic. Um, I mean, I seriously just feel like it might be overkill for me to praise another scorsese movie is great but like i just i don't want to like really say too much of why but like i just thought this journey um for these characters was was beautiful the way that their faith is tested um as well as just their personal beliefs how that's um just shown in contrast to uh just the region in Japan that they're in and how they have to face up. I just basically, they literally step into a different world. It's like, it's tough for me to describe this because there's elements of a man for all seasons in this, which I fucking love. Um, It goes about it in a completely different way, but I couldn't help Mm -hmm. but think about that film um, as I was just processing this one. But I mean, you know, the simplest way to describe it is I think even as a slice of history, for um, what was happening in Japan in the 1600s, and uh, just the influence on religion um, that can happen in people—it's it, very interesting, especially in a place where it is outlawed and you can get killed for it, um, unless you denounce it. Like I—I I don't know—it's—it's it's difficult for me to talk about because there are still parts of me that are a believer and parts of me that are a skeptic. That's why I would say I am agnostic, but. I, I think you know the part of me that still has faith this definitely uh, triggered something in me like and i think um y- you know it's just it's interesting because there's f- so many conflicting thoughts here and that you know in one way this is a movie about a man uh about a jesuit um priest who's you know going around spreading the word of god but at the same time he's in a country that outlaws that and their viewpoint is that he's basically intruded on their way of life but it's like you can kind of sort of see both perspectives um and sort of where they come from in that and it's just it's a fascinating conflict i think to see unravel and i sure as shit was never bored um you know it's i, I think though like you know especially based on um how th- this is being seen as a financial failure i think you know, it's not going to be seen as a classic. And maybe that's a good thing is that over time, this will be given more street credit and it will be seen as like one of those Scorsese movies that a lot of people will say is great. Like outside of the conversation of the big stuff, like Goodfellas or raging bull, you know, they'll be like, Oh yeah, he also did this one movie that a lot of people forgot about, but is still really worth checking out. You know, I I think it's one of those, it really uh, hit a deep spot for me. I don't know if it's your thing, Brian, but I, I was really, really happy just to see a movie uh, like this, like, you know, just technically also that just shows Japan and just this time period in a beautiful way and really sucks you in. And it's, it's very quiet. It's very minimal, but I was just, I was with it the entire way. I mean, this is masterful filmmaking from a masterful filmmaker that, you know, we just don't see that often. And when he's on his a game and he's just giving it everything he's got, Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I just, couldn't help but be fully sucked into that and I freaking, I loved this movie at the end of it and I loved the uh, feeling that it gave me at the end of the day and that it really gave me a lot to think about.
0: I mean, it's Scorsese. Yeah. So I'm probably going to see it eventually. Mean Streets is proof of that because when a, a certain filmmaker, you know, like him, comes around you do what you can to watch what they do because you you just tell that they have a love for their craft. Yeah. Um, But it isn't something that I'm going to see in theaters despite how gorgeous i'm sure it is on the oh
1: yeah just the sound in general Mm -hmm. i mean too which i I seriously can't even remember if there is a score in this like it's very atmosphere heavy i mean like i i I don't want to look it up but like i just i had this thought where i was thinking it's called silence yeah like no because like you definitely there is emphasis put on the environment around you and Uh it is a very quiet epic um, you, you know like you definitely feel the wrong time and this is like a three hour movie almost three hour movie that I just stuck with and i I literally just was there and I was going along with the ride I mean you know this isn't something like Wolf of Wall Street where it's very fast and just keeps going at this crazy almost like you know cocaine pace like it's it's very different from that and as I enjoyed that movie just as much as everyone else but I think, I don't know, something like this means more to me, and I am I think I'll be much more tempted to revisit this than Wolf of Wall Street. I still only have the one theatrical viewing of Wolf of Wall Street, and sometimes people play it at parties, but, you know, that movie, like, I thought it was awesome at the time, but even then, when I saw it, it's like, that one's kind of overlong, and there was issues long. with editing it, and I thought, yeah, no, some scenes could definitely have been cut down, but it's still, that's a movie I will remember. This one... I, I think I'll definitely be revisiting it in the future when I need to.
0: Plus, not to mention, Boiler Room is a much better version of Wolf of Wall Street, where the whole thing isn't a joke. So you should check that <laughs> out, especially if you like Giovanni Ribisi, or Vin Diesel, or uh, <laughs> there's a couple other people in that. But like Nikki Cat, like just a lot mm. of up and comers of the late '90s or 2000s, and it's based on the same source material. So you should check that out, just because way different take, much more sincere, more realistic um and and you got one more what's your third i do have one more uh the last movie of 2016 that i was
1: considering i saw patriots day oh, yeah? which you, you know it? what yeah yeah uh peterberg is like three for three now on doing these uh, i i guess we can call it like the true heroes trilogy or something um american survivor i mean no, lone, no. Survivor. lone survivor yeah <laughs> which was really good i'm i'm upset that i missed um what is it Deepwater horizon like i really wanted to see that it's out on uh DVD and Blu-ray now or streaming, so I'm going to have to check that out. I really want to. Especially after this, because I mean, this just... Man, like, this was something. I mean, you know, I I feel like... maybe just uh criticisms of this being like jingoistic you know very pro-america could you know you Fuck could definitely it. throw called, that out there
0: but it's about boston strong
1: it's i know and it's after
0: you stopped the, the people that like, did the the bombing at a fucking marathon of course it's american <laughs> i know i mean
1: i it it definitely just it it hit the emotional you know soft spot for me like especially in that regard but i mean just the experience of watching it itself like I mean, you know, as far as criticisms I've heard, which were inevitable, there's things like, you know, okay, Mark Wahlberg's character is a fictional character. He's basically there for every big moment of the movie. That's not a real life hero because he's conveniently there when he needs to be. And it's like, okay, I, I get it. It's Peter it's, it's kind Berg of over-
0: is your boy. He yeah, finds it's, it's overblown <laughs> and
1: it's Hollywood in that sense. But then at the same time, like just the craft here, like uh, the, I mean, you know, the entire ensemble's cast, like, the little areas of Boston that you see, all the things that are happening at there, the details of the time and day, the locations, uh, what happens to very specific, like, uh, real-life people. Like, there is just so many details in this world that, like, it really feels like a recreation of the period. Like, it it might be Paul Greengrass, United 93 2.0, and that there is that exaggeration there (laughs) that you have Mark Wahlberg's character being Mark Wahlberg, but, like, I mean, just this really—it—it it felt like a very—I hesitate to say roller coaster ride for uh, the subject matter, but like it just—it was riveting. It moved at a breakneck pace, like it—it mm-hmm. it just didn't stop, and like you really felt like you were there throughout the event and throughout this entire manhunt, and like it's. It was. It's just really effective filmmaking, and like yeah. I just walked out of there thinking, like, "Holy crap! Like that was great." I don't know if I'll see it again, but I mean, if Peter Berg is going to be the guy Super that keeps doing movies. things based on real events, then I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, by all means, keep doing it. Don't do Battleship again, because fuck that or, one really. <laughs> I don't
0: care. If yeah, you like I mean, like one, I was,
1: but... I was happy when Lone Survivor happened because yeah, Battleship really pissed me off. Like I mean, when I saw that, I
0: already continued the true American Tales thing, his uh SEAL team six thing is coming on History Channel like any day now. Yeah. He directed yeah, the first one so, I mean, of that. So
1: Hey, so if this is his niche thing, if this is like what he's best at, it's like by all means keep doing it if he's gotta well, be the guy to do it. But he yeah with this one
0: with the Friday Night Lights movie. True American t- uh, Tales. Like, uh, that's where it s- began. Sort of, I guess. No, no, 100%. Friday Night Lights was a true story that was turned yeah, into Yeah, but a I don't know about American he heroes, like, in well, the face Well, not I'm just saying, like, true American stories. Like, less about heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, just, like, this is what it means to be American. Like, that's, like, half of his movies. Well, also, Friday Night Lights is Texas, but... Whatever, it's still America. <laughs> and uh, I think that might be his thing, just kind of, like, the hit you in the feels cuz you're american you understand it type of movie. <laughs>
1: well honestly no, it it totally works for me and I I feel like yeah okay yes it is that. I just hate the fact that the conversation like uh, for a lot of people is going to negate that or just you know try to like uh, j- just pick on it because like there are things here that I feel like are legitimately very effective where it's like they did their research they're trying to balance the fact that they're making a piece of entertainment while at the same time not disrespecting what happened, you know, because like, I mean, I think we were talking about this on this show when it was announced and yeah. it was just kind of like, really, is this one of those other things? But it was like, you know what? I did not pay c- close attention to the manhunt when it happened. So, you know, for me, it was pretty, I- I'm not going to lie. Maybe I'm, I'm kind of ignorant in that sense, but I was no, it wasn't very exciting. curious to see where it was going to go, even though I, knew like obviously what wasn't going to happen yeah. but it's like i mean just seeing how that unfolded and there, there's just so many little details like just thrown throughout where it's like you could tell that he tried to inject as or put in as many of the natives as possible i don't want to spoil it but there's a very particular funny thing um near the end cameo? sure no 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 no, no. It, it, it has to do with someone who i just i assume is a real cop um and is in the presence of um some get, fbi yeah, uh, soldiers I'll, I'll on the same out. scene and it's just seeing them clash like j- just you know the community uh clashing with the fbi like just there's things like that where it's just like i have not been to boston but you know we joke uh, we, about the accent online uh you see it in print all the time it's just like you totally get the personality of that city through there and it's like i have not heard anybody say anything against it or otherwise so uh, yeah i mean just you really feel this environment and like it it's it's very patriotic but then you totally just feel the, that the city itself is a character here and how it uh manages to pull through this tragedy but really like the experience just it's one that i'm actually really glad that i saw in the theater and so for me yeah it's uh, uh i buy a movie ticket for a dollar at at a very least no. can i say that Fuck no? no well I, I for me it's a definite C. Like yeah, um, I, I got a and that's for the best it. way to see it. Yeah. So I'm
0: I'm gonna watch it in in the days or weeks to come.
1: Well, use good headphones for that.
0: Eh, I'll do what I want. You're not the boss of me.
1: I'm suggesting
0: it. I'm not ordering you. This is the Just... the the section the show where we basically the the, yeah the show where we advertise our other <sighs> content tired. so you have an idea of what we do when we're not doing quick reviews live. Um, so if you do like uh-huh. us talking about recent releases or for me it was video games but just anything without spoilers uh you can do that at dollar views um like i said you go on youtube we got a playlist for it lots of different ways to find it we're on itunes soundcloud stitcher youtube tune in if you can think of it we're on there facebook twitter wordpress like literally just about everything you can just google us uh debt to cinemas easiest way but we'll get to that in a second uh, like i said dollar views so like things that we have from the recent past months L and La La Land, the big two winners at the Golden Globes. We got episodes for those. We got two episodes for those. Actually, we got a few dollars more. Our spoiler episodes. Uh, we did Green Room and Swiss Army Man, which are both on Amazon Prime. Check mm-hmm. those out. And Swiss Army Man's on Prime now. I think it's gonna be like any day now. It will be soon. Yeah. Like, but real now. Real soon, I don't know. I don't think it's uh, like not today, but like probably next week.
1: They, uh, I promoted it though. I think the Blu Ray is nine ninety nine. So even then, that's the price of a movie ticket, less than, less than. Uh, the price of a nightly movie ticket in some areas totally worth checking out yeah and if you don't like it donate it to your local library so that they can have it for other people to get
0: to it also sing street which was just the best feeling movie of the year you can't watch that and not have a good time i don't care how (laughs) fucking like much you hate the world you're gonna smile you're gonna love it you're gonna feel like you're in love and you're gonna like it um, but we, we do other stuff too we did a lot of stuff for last year's award season Anomalies of the Revenant Joy like I said all this stuff is spoiler free and our big thing is especially comic books Batman Superman, we talked about that earlier. We did like three episodes for that. Fucking Suicide Squad, Doctor Strange, Star Wars. Like, if it has explosions and you need popcorn for it, those are the things that we review most. Like I said, we As long do as it... it's not Rogue One. Yeah, well, I <laughs> technically reviewed that. You uh, did. But yeah, we, we do it without the spoilers. But if you do like spoilers, you like in-depth conversation, we have a semi-topical This is Shame show. Like I said, that's called Debt Cinema. We pay off our debts one week at a time. That comes out every Wednesday. Uh, this week we got Samurai Cop coming out. It's one of those so fucking bad like you shouldn't watch it but it's kind of funny type of movies like you're drunk and you want to laugh a little bit about how atrocious like the dialogue is it's one of those uh like on the opposite side of the spectrum we did Ricky O, which Steve swears, especially during the Samurai Cop episode, is actually like an honest to goodness good movie. So it's can't... a good
1: movie for what it's trying to be. You can
0: do a tandem that's what I'm saying. of those listens. You can listen to both those episodes. Uh recent stuff though, we did Tricked, we did Mean Streets, um so that's Verhoeven and Scorsese respectively. mixed nuts if you're more into Nora Efron. Uh we also got one for Her You've Got Mail. Um, we did a lot of stuff for Christmas, most notably Black Christmas with Brendan from Scream 101. I'm very happy to report he did two things in awesome this week. The smaller of which he was uh, he what should we call it? He ordained a wedding like yesterday, which nice. is pretty cool. Uh, but even cooler, I would argue, is he's an intern for Blumhouse now. So, yeah, he's not working at Scream 101, not Scream 101, uh, Air on the Head anymore, I believe. Now he's doing Blumhouse, which is awesome. So, congrats to him. He's going to be back on our show. He's going to be doing Dead to Cinema for My Bloody Valentine on Valentine's Day. So, you should check out his (laughs) podcast, Scream 101. He's also on Twitter at It's Raining Brens. Mm -hmm. And his uh, blogspot is, uh, fuck, what is it? I think it's popcornkernelreviews.blogspot. Let me double-check, because he has a really great critical voice. Uh, uh, <laughs> jiffypopculture.blogspot.com. He's been doing some interesting stuff, especially like on Harold uh, Kumar and Road Trip and just things that don't usually get reviews. So it's really interesting to see his viewpoint on that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, give him a listen. He's going to be on the show again, and maybe potentially we'll be on his show every once in a while. It still hasn't happened. Oh, that'd be cool. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Like I said, we do a lot of stuff. Obviously, we got two cents. We've been talking for an hour now without break, without pause, without any edits. And if you want to fund us, you can do so. We were talking about Airbnb, Kickstarter, and you can do Patreon. Patreon.com slash DollarViews. Give us some money. It could be a dollar a month. We don't care. Anything helps. If you don't want to give us any money, fuck, just give us some feedback. You can send us an email, brian at Yeah, that's harder to smell than it is. It's B-R-Y-O-N. You can go shout at us on Twitter, on YouTube, follow us on Facebook. Literally any kind of feedback, any kind of promotion, every little thing counts. And we're doing this for free, and we're telling you if it's worth your dollar. And so if you'd like to give us our dollars to tell us that it's more than just free, I would love that. But here's the headlines. It's about an hour into the show, so if you stayed this long, you must really like the news. Uh, The big one is actually not the first one. It's going to be second. The first one I forgot to talk about earlier. I was talking about Summer Games Done Quick, uh, Awesome Games Done Quick, the big things that happens on Twitch. TwitchCon, which is the annual Twitch convention, has moved locations again. That's three locations in three years. It's going to be coming this year to... Long Beach, California. It's going to be at the Long Beach Convention Center. I got to get a press pass for the Long Beach uh, Comic Con. I'm going to try to get a press pass for TwitchCon. Um, I would love to go to this. Nothing really Mm -hmm. happens. It's kind of just about, like, how you can... uh, Number one is to meet Twitch broadcasters and so they can, like, actually get one-on-one time with their community. Cool. Mm -hmm. And it's also kind of, like... How to promote yourself, how to get more followers, workshops, like various things. And then at the same time, like Twitch announcements, you got to mind you, this is Amazon. So yeah, it's going to be starting October 20th. It's going to be that whole weekend. The first year there are 20,000 people. Second year there are 35,000. I wouldn't be surprised if they got 50,000 this year. That'd be really cool. Um, And it's going to be in my backyard. So I'm probably going to go. I'm not going to pay the money, but I'll see if I can get them for free. That would be Awesome. This is the real headline, though, and this is, like, the most batshit insane weirdest thing, and that's going to be followed up by something just as strange. Michael Linton, the CEO of Sony Pictures, has just stepped down to play a role on Snapchat's board. He was already an early investor. He paid lots and lots of money through, like, several, like, hedge funds and capital investment firms, Um, Mm -hmm. and he's had some part of hush S dealings with them, like, maybe they have an IPO or a merger on the horizon, they've already turned down, like, a multi-billion dollar deal from Facebook, and so Facebook has since gone on to, like, basically copy their whole gimmick for Instagram and Facebook directly, but the CEO of one of the major studios is now helping run an app most known for sending dick pics. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it kind of makes sense giving... That
1: Sony's track record especially has not... Well, I wasn't
0: even going to say that. Just given how Snapchat, and that's not even the correct term, the company's actually Snap, Inc., given the route that they've taken, I mean, just last week alone, we were talking about how ABC and ESPN is going to be making original content. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, yeah. NBC already does. Olympics did it. Uh, Paramount does it through, like, Comedy Central. I mean, Viacom does it. Movies promote things. They've had, like, live events. They've had, like, basically, like live event movies on snapchat they've had whole kinds of different content and it's huge and it's really interesting and i find it fascinating but what ceo of a film studio leaves to run social media that's just it's kind of like how just the whole fucking industry is moving now it's so crazy
1: I mean, that's, it's, it's just a sign probably that maybe because Sony's track record with movies has not been that hot, maybe he's got more faith in seeing this grow.
0: He's recent, though. Or, Amy Pascal. Yeah, she stepped down like... Two years ago now. Less than two years you ago, know, right? So he hasn't been there long, at least in that position. hmm And she's not even gone yet. Like, she's a producer on Spider-Man Homecoming, yeah. among other no, things. She only
1: stepped down because of the hacking,
0: too. Yeah, right? it was the hack. Yeah, like she she was doing an okay. I mean, not like a good job, but she was doing an okay job. It's not like Sony sold off the studio yet. Um, What's interesting here is that he's gonna stay on as like an interim CEO until they can transition into a new successor. It's rumored to be a lot of people. Maybe Jeffrey Katzenberg since he's no longer running DreamWorks. That'd be cool. Um, (laughs) But this is gonna. I'm sure we're gonna get someone new before April. I think April is the cutoff. Because, like, four months after you've already, like, basically resigned to stay on at a company is a little too many. Still, I mean, it's, like...
1: Why Snapchat? Just because like there's future there, or like, I
0: said, like he he'd already been an investor. He'd given yeah lots of not only his personal money but also yeah, but now, like streamlined ways for them to get investments. But he but was, now he's devoting his time exclusively, exclusively to that. Yeah, Like he was yeah. already on their chair of directors, mm-hmm. but now he's gonna like I would assume run it. Maybe not the whole show. Like the, you know Snapchat or Snap Inc is still so young that it's kind of like Google. It's like I created. it, I'm young enough I like, can run it. It's not like the Bill Gates thing or like Steve Jobs. And then eventually you get so old that you have to step down. I think this is more of maybe there's a way that he can potentially leverage running one of the, the biggest movie studios on the planet into finding like, content for Snapchat in terms of like just that, original also, programming.
1: I mean, just like when you have that on your resume that you were the CEO of Sony Pictures, yeah. like, and then you move to Snapchat, like... I mean, you know, obviously that's going to get a lot of attention. (laughs) Obviously, it's gotten
0: a little bit. I mean,
1: yeah, but I mean, that's going to give Snapchat a lot of credibility, though. I would hope so, more so than what it already has. I said,
0: I think this would help out more in terms of initial public offering than a merger because they've Mm -hmm. already batted down being bought out, and I think the the trades are circulating that they could like maybe their initial IPO could be at like three hundred plus a share, which would be huge, like. I think in perspective, I think Apple's stock currently is in the nine hundred range. Let's see. Uh, no, Apple's dropping. It's only a hundred a share now. It's one twenty. Fuck. <laughs> today was not too great for them. They dropped a whole dollar today at the stock market, which wow. sucks. But even still, like that—that's well, I mean, what the they IP have, is rumored have, to be. Like, have to they running. been
1: active in anything? I've not been paying attention to that. What Apple? Yeah. No, I mean they haven't announced anything, have they? No.
0: They they were at 140 in um, early 2015. That was their peak of uh, the recent <laughs> past. But not too bad. Man, mm-hmm. they dropped so hard when Bill Gates died. Or not Bill Gates, when Steve Jobs died. Steve Jobs died, was yeah. was a big drop right there, and then it went up. I, I know Nintendo stock. I didn't even talk about this on the show. I forgot to even fucking mention it. it was like, I guess we can do it right <laughs> now since it's the transition from Sony and Nintendo. Um, yeah. Oh man! Well, it's still it's big news. I watched the Nintendo Switch press conference event. Mm-hmm. State I didn't exactly stay up late to watch it, but I, I stayed up to watch it, and it mm-hmm. wasn't exactly a mistake. But holy fucking shit! Like I feel so sad for them. This is their their final push to turn around their their last couple of years, or even decade, if you want to be more accurate. And everything I saw at this presentation looked cool. It's just the problem is no one's going to fucking... I'm not buying Aside one. Aside from
1: Zelda, that's all I've heard. It's
0: not even just Zelda. They have but... four games at launch besides Zelda. Mm-hmm. Literally launch day. There's going to be five games. And one of them is Just Dance 2017. One of them is Skylanders. Then you got Zelda. You got... Um, fuck, Bomberman. and And it's like a 1-2 Switch they fucked up and didn't do Pokemon. No, they didn't fuck up with that. The Pokemon, they just put out Pokemon. Anyone that wanted Pokemon already bought it. They, they're they're going to put Pokemon out on the thing eventually.
1: No, if they put out Pokemon for Switch, they could have no, they easily will. sold no, crap-type units like day one. No, they,
0: they sold out everywhere day one anyway. So they, they, they're still on track. It's just mm. I was looking at this thing, and most of the games that they demoed, I mean, the battery life's okay. It's like two hours to six hours depending on what you're playing. Um, the controllers, the Joy-Cons are pretty cool, now we know like, oh yeah, they're kind of like the Wii too, like it has the same kind of functionality but better, it has this thing called HD Rumble, which no one's gonna use, but like on paper, yeah, it could like revolutionize, revolutionary, uh, in terms of how just vibration works, not just in, um, controllers, but also like smartphones, like, the way they showed it off, they said like with the controller, you can tell like how many ice cubes are in a glass. Or, like, there's, like, mm-hmm. a mini game where it's, like, how many balls are in this box and you're shaking it around? And you can actually tell that they're individual balls and stuff like that. Seems really cool, but no one's going to use it. Like, some of the bigger games yeah. they showed off, it's like, oh, yeah, we're getting FIFA, we're getting Skyrim, we're getting Street Fighter and, like, this. And we're going to have all these kinds of franchises. And the Wii U did the exact same thing when it came out it had support from all the third-party publishers. They all gave up after, like, a year or two because there was no point. Like, my smartphone... If you have an iPhone 7, mm. your smartphone has a better processor than this thing does. This is based on the Tegra 1 chip. That came out like four years ago, which is ancient in terms of video games. So this is finally going to be 1080p gaming on Nintendo system. Cool. It's going to be 60 frames per second. That's also really cool. A lot of the games look cool. We got Zelda Breath of the Wild. We got Mario Odyssey, um, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, like... Splatoon 2, like, not bad titles. They they look good. It's just they're going to be spread out so far. Like, this is someone, something I was telling someone else. You know, there haven't been a lot of games for the PSVR. I bought it day one. But already there's been more games released for that than there are even announced until the end of 2017 on this new system. <laughs> um, So I, I am interested. Yeah. I want to use one. I want to... Go somewhere and try it out, especially the Joy-Cons. But it's just its so backwards. They showed off this whole press conference. They said, oh yeah, it has a capacitive touchscreen, it has Wi-Fi, it has this. We're mm-hmm. going to charge for online gameplay. Guess what? That's all through your smartphone, not actually on the device itself. They didn't say, oh yeah, this can play Netflix or anything. They didn't really show off anything. They just said, oh yeah, here's the games. Everyone's going to buy it because of Zelda. It's only $300, which is a great price point. But... They didn't say anything. It doesn't have a disk drive. It's all cartridges. It, you have to use microSD. But I wanted to see a store. I wanted to see Netflix and YouTube and Twitch and, and all that kind of shit. And you didn't get any of it. And so I wish them nothing but the best. It would be sad to see Nintendo go out. Especially since, I mean, Atari truly birthed gaming. When Nintendo brought in the world of gaming that we know now. Just they're so behind the times. And this was their big step kind of to circumvent that and go ahead instead of having a handheld and a home system now yeah the two in one it's the switch and we get the one two switch game ha 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 um <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna hold my 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 true critique until i actually get one in my hands i'm sure the games are gonna be great i'm sure the system itself is good but i want to see how it feels i want to feel the controllers i want to try some of these games i want to know if they sell i want to know how big the actual box is because i know the art, art artwork but I want to see it and I still have a lot of questions that need to be answered and we still got three months or two months until it comes out it's going to be March 3rd uh, but yeah the price point if you were lucky to get a pre-order um, if I don't try it out before you do uh, let us know maybe you live in the area in the Long Beach area let me try yours we could do like a review <laughs> I'll, I'll do it on video that'd be cool that'd be different uh, but yeah that was just from Sony to Nintendo even though we were talking about mm-hmm. video games I just want to leave it out I forgot that should be at the top of the show just totally fucking forgot um so like i said there, there were two headlines the first one's pretty fucking crazy this one is equally crazy um steven munchkin or munchkin I'll, i can't pronounce his name it's spelled weird uh he's trump's pick for treasury <laughs> hasn't seen that weird whatever just some dude except he's the dune in rat pack dune productions this is someone that has a huge deal between Brett Ratner and the Australian dude between the Rat and the yeah. Pack Plus Dune. Uh, they have he has interests in over 85 Warner Brothers films. Some of them that aren't even out yet, which include like the DC films and the Harry Potter stuff, uh, like Batman vs Superman. He got credit for that. Lots of different shit. He has a lot of money, and what the news item is is if he is actually. Um, Whatchamacallit confirmed as Trump's pick. Once that happens, yeah. he promises to divest his interest in his holdings, which means someone else is going to be able to snatch the rights to a lot of blockbuster films, <laughs> which is really interesting. Um, and so the reason I bring this up, you know, we talked about Obamacare at the top of the show, what that means, where the Republicans are going with that. What's this say about Trump's personal business? Is he gonna be doing the same thing? Is Trump Tower Incorporated or whatever the hell his company is, is he gonna take the same step? Is he gonna back down and like leave it up to his son or something like that?
1: Well according to him, that's what he's doing, is that he's just splitting it amongst his kids. His kids are gonna run it and he's not going to talk to them about it at all, which seems like a lie. Is bullshit. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, according to him, that's his official explanation of it.
0: Well, it's it's interesting if his treasury pick is already taking the step. It kind of does point in that direction, or at least it leads me to believe that if you're going to have someone below you doing this, that if you don't, you're going to look like a real asshole. Yeah. So he's, Well, I, I don't know if he's worried about that at all. He already does look like an asshole. Even still, okay? Uh, like, I, I don't talk about him there's no point. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that to throw a jab. No, yeah, I know. I'm I know honestly what you mean, convinced
1: yeah. he doesn't care.
0: It's possible. And um, it, it's funny though, because uh, like, what's this even mean for Warner Brothers? Like, are is Rat Pack <laughs> Dune going to have a new partner? Like, is going to be called Rat Pack something else? Maybe it just goes to Rat Pack. Like, I don't know if they can get away with that. Frank Sinatra's ghost would probably hurt them. But I like when I was reading about this, I was just really fascinated. Because it seems on paper, I mean, Rat Pack Dune's a pretty successful production company. Yeah. That that's... Like they've gotten more, uh, their logos appeared more and more oh, yeah. throughout the years. And yeah. so that seems just like on paper that this is someone that knows something about money. And so maybe he isn't the worst person to be running the treasury. Um, but I don't actually know about that kind of stuff. But in terms of what we talk about, it seems like a natural marrying. And, you know, the next month or two should be really interesting. I'm sure we're going to have some kind of follow-up on that. Yeah. Um, this is the final weird headline and it's it's a what the fuck this is like a also ran but just really interesting um this band of youtube brothers or bros as I put into my show notes uh, just moved to this county in Georgia uh, they all moved together the idea was like we all are pretty successful on youtube Let's like the five of us get a house we'll make like a youtube haven all we'll do is you know make our videos and our rooms we'll publish it and then we'll party like we'll be youtube celebrities or whatever Uh, It turns out their party's already crashed. They just moved. They must have pissed someone off. They didn't park cars or someone, so someone ratted on them to the homeowners association. And now they're in, like, the hot water because it's being said that what they do for YouTube counts as a home business, which is against the homeowners association. And this has turned into, like, a whole fucking headache. Um, So at first they were, like, at risk of having to move. But now, like, the ringleader whose name escapes me doesn't actually matter in the first place has, like, filed for a business license. Um, But, like, the the conversation here is how much money or power do you have to make from the internet for your internet holdings to count as a home business? Like, how many followers would we need for us to, like, claim dollar views as a company? Uh... Geez, I, I don't know probably enough for us to at least be making enough to well, to make enough anything to be, like able to make a living off of it then yeah if I made $10 a month I'd say it was a business to be honest yeah but
1: is that enough for you to really make a living off no, that $10 a month but no like if we it'd be a source had of enough income. like if we had that as an income like and we could live off of that on top of that be able to like afford a place just to operate as yeah, a business for me then to, I think yeah that quit. would count
0: my job and just do dollar reviews I think I would have to make at least 5000 a month
1: yeah like right now you know I definitely would not even
0: consider that because with official but yeah like I don't know maybe you could twist the story enough to like because the way the internet works you have to be making enough when you're hot that when you're cold it doesn't matter because uh-huh. this guy for instance a guy that just had enough money to move with his friends to, to fucking Georgia which he should have done his research on um This could kind of pave the way in terms of just how, uh, like, the Internet of Things pans out. Like, if you are a YouTube celebrity or a Twitch streamer or, you know, even like a cam girl to that extent, if you're one of these type of things, if you make your money 100% off the Internet, if that is your source of not just income, but like livelihood Mm -hmm. and just your whole, you know, angle, um, if this goes the right way, like, this could. Potentially be if it goes to court, which I doubt. I think this is just going to disappear as of now. (laughs) Um, But this could kind of be like a Roe v. Wade type of thing because every time with the internet is a possibility for the first time. It only takes one time and then it's documented and then you can point your finger. Like you can't really change it back after that. Yeah. So I I don't know. Like this is I'm just really curious. I I do want to follow this. I saw this on Kotaku. Um, Just an interesting like what that what the hell like. All I do is make YouTube videos. Why are you giving me a hard time? I mean, I understand why they're having a hard time. Like, I, I like when I read read about this, they were having people stay at their place that weren't actually paying rent. And then they had, like, too many cars on the block for their own place. I'm sure they were playing, like, throwing loud parties. Uh, and it's the South. You know, They don't think they fuck around with that kind <laughs> of thing. Um, but I don't actually know. But it's just, you know, just like a, a funny thing. Um, And, you know, it's money. And the biggest thing this week, and I'm sure you saw this. I'm sure you got a lot to say about it. Uh, You know, we talked about getting another sports team in L.A. This is a way bigger thing that's coming here. George Lucas is going to be opening the Lucas Museum of Narrative Art by 2020. May 4th, 2020 to be exact. So it's going to be Star Wars Day 2020 is when it's supposed to open up. Uh, this is coming to L.A.'s Exhibition Park, so a very historic park. It's been there forever since the, the, the first Olympics in L.A. Um, but, yeah, this is exciting. It's supposed to open up, like, at least, like, three or 400 jobs for full-time. And then with construction, that's, like, probably a couple extra hundred there. Uh, but it's going to give us, you know, well, not you, but it's going to give me and the L.A. Yeah. area proper just... A new museum. Right? The academy's opening their own. Also, they're probably going to open right right next to each other, both literally in terms of real estate and opening dates. Uh, but other than these two that are coming to us, besides LACMA and like the Broad, like there really aren't that many museum museums in LA anymore. Like, like LACMA's probably the most famous yeah. one I'm aware of. Yeah, yeah. Like the Broad's like a fairly recent one. But you can even I'm going to count the LA Zoo, but that's like not even LA. That's <laughs> that's like up there. Like that's almost Glendale. But this is going to be in the center of LA like the reason apparently why George Lucas picked this over San Francisco's Treasure Island was that that was on an island like the only way to get there was by taking like a car over the bridge or taking a ferry whereas this is in the center of LA so if you have a car you can obviously drive there from anywhere on the freeway and most of the metro lines go there too plus busing plus ubers it's going to be really convenient for anyone and this is being called a museum of narrative art it's not just going to be star wars stuff which people assume it's going to cover all a lot of people are going to go there for oh that. yeah you know that well it's yeah. not just gonna be star wars though it's gonna be lucasfilm proper so you're gonna have like you know prop stuff for ilm you're gonna have indiana jones things probably howard the duck Probably not. T.H.X. T-H-X. and graffiti. Uh, but even more than that, like George Lucas owns like one of the biggest mm-hmm. Norman Rockwell collections, so that's going to be there. Uh, probably costumes from other stuff. Maybe like his friends, like Coppola, put things in the museum every once in a while. It would make more sense, especially for like the thing that um, Robert, uh, Del Toro just did at LACMA. That would be mm-hmm. just a more natural fit. Like having a director put his stuff, like his props or like his home installation, in a museum from a director makes more sense. But yeah, he's throwing a billion dollars at this thing. I'm sure the building's gonna look awesome. It's gonna be completely connected to the internet. It's by the time 2020 rolls around, I'm sure you can do like pay five dollars to visit in VR. You don't even have to go there in the first place. Uh, but very exciting. I-, I can't wait. I'm sure I'll be there. Um, the opening year, even if I don't live here, I'm sure I'd visit just to check it out yeah. because a museum like this only comes around like every like 30 or 40 years, um, and I'm sure it's gonna truly be like really nice. So good luck to george lucas i can't wait to see what it looks like i've seen the the mock-up and like really like it's all glass like just so pretty um yeah no i i don't have much to add i would totally be down for that uh this is the last real news item on the show and it's a continuation of what netflix has been doing what we've been talking about before first it was chris rock then it was dave Chappelle, and now it's amy schumer <laughs> Next in line of huge fucking comedians to get a stand-up special on the streaming giant. It's going to be coming soon-ish, I would assume. Maybe even this year. I'd be surprised if all three comedians have their stand-up specials by the end of 2017. Because this is the year that Netflix has been promising to their stockholders for like like two or three years now. Like, It's always been about 2017. Like, they have a new show coming out like once a month now. Yeah. Like That's how crazy Netflix is. And so... I think the reason why stand up is such a big hit for Netflix and I think we probably even talked about this before especially when Dave Chappelle and or Chris Rock were brought up um but there's almost no production cost for stand up No no
1: it's it's easy to
0: produce Hell yeah. I mean that, that's not to negate the effort no, you still no. got to set up all the cameras Well and not it's like maybe venue, it's like but, maybe 3 or 4 cameras like it's not Yeah like many. you know
1: just compared to like Uh, you know, it's, it's way easier than back in the day when they filmed Eddie Murphy on film and like set it up in a, in a, in a club. But yeah, no, like nowadays it's a lot easier. It's like, what? And I mean, also just, you know, there's, they know that it gets a lot of streams on Netflix, so it's definitely easy money. And, just when it
0: comes to stand up, they know what people want. I think at least it's kind of lazy though, because if you think about it, there's already a tour for the stand up comedian, right? right but business wise, though, it's common sense. Yeah, but like even if it's like a one off show, like Dave Chappelle did, like you know he has that special show or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, for Amy Schumer, no, it was it was a tour. She probably did like five or six or seven different venues, so that was already booked. She was already going to be there. The people already yeah, went. It was got already her sold out. the
1: Apollo on uh,
0: HBO. Yeah, right? Like she already yeah. had the material ready, right? And so, yeah, they just literally rented some cameras. They put it in the auditorium. Maybe they hired a director. Which, come on, it's a fucking director for a stand-up special. It's already been directed. There was already a director for the stage. Like all you do is say which cameras. No, filming you have what. a
1: technical director there to like. I I don't know, maybe they even record live on the spot and then they just toss that recording into the final edit, you know? I don't know. Like, it's it's not really edited. It's all done there on the spot. They have someone recording the audio live. Like, you can do that, just, like, record it
0: live like it was a live broadcast. Maybe that's how they do it and they just churn it out. In terms of directing gigs, though, I think stand-up comedy, in terms of just filming it, has got to be one of the easiest ones to do. Because uh, in terms of creative... Aspects to bring to stand up. What can you really do? I mean, Spike Lee is outside of this. He directed John Leguizamo's *Freak*, and he does do a lot of interesting stuff there. And he has like a B camera that I don't know. Maybe it was like Super 16 that you can tell is worse quality. And he has that for certain angles, and it really does kind of help out in certain ways. Like he shoots Uh, John Leguizamo is different though. Like he his stand up, he does like multiple characters at once, and so the way the other characters were shot really just kind of um, highlighted that it was a different a caricature and so that's why it's like a different grain on the stock or whatever like, so it worked in that kind of way and that's HBO production too uh, but yeah just super safe for Netflix I got two other things here and they're video games we're talking about Nintendo this is just like a funny thing you know the NES classic edition that everyone fucking wants for some reason the internet hacked it about a week ago that's really cool but the actual news item is right when the hack came to surface something else happened at the exact same time And people in Japan, or maybe it was America, but the Famicom Classic, which is the same exact thing as the NES Classic, except it looks like a Famicom instead of Nintendo Entertainment System. In the source code for that, there was a line that says, please don't break everything as a joke. And that was uncovered literally like the exact same timing that they decided, like found out how to modify and hack the NES Classic. And that's just like one of those news items that's just perfect timing, just Awesome. So if you have one of these, I don't know why you spent $60 on something stupid, but you can hack it now. And if you're you know, tech-savvy, maybe you can find the coding in the American version as well. Uh, the final actual news <laughs> item, though, on the show, and this is just really interesting. Do you remember Nick Arcade? Who? No, probably not. It was a Nickelodeon show from, like, the late 80s, like, early 90s. It was on syndication a lot, especially when I grew up. You might not have been in America yet. Was that on Nick at Night? No, it was, like, just Nickelodeon, like, standard Nickelodeon. Like I said, it was the late 80s, early 90s. It was kind of like when they just began with, like, Your Shorts and and Legends of the Hidden Temple. Like, it was that whole era. Yeah, that was before my time. Okay, so apparently there was a show before that that was called Starcade, and this was, like, the early to mid-80s. So it was the precursor for Nick Arcade. Um... And like I did the research, they're basically the same thing. So it starts off with a quiz show, where like you know you have these questions, usually about video games or whatever, like the culture. And if you win at the end of the round, the winner gets to pick a game. You play one game, you get a high score. You do a second round, same thing. And then the final round, you get it. Like in Nick Arcade, you actually went into the video game. And on Starcade, you uh, like there was like a final round versus average high score, whatever. The reason I bring it up is Shout Factory has bought the rights to Starcade. So they're looking to redistribute the episodes, probably online in some way. I would assume YouTube for free. That would be the best way to do it. Or maybe they put a box set out. But what's notable here is that they're doing something called a retro boot. So I would assume what that means, given that I've never heard the term before, is that they're going to reboot the show, except it's going to be set in the 80s. Because in terms of making this work today, it's not possible. The video game arcade cabinet doesn't exist. Arcades don't even exist in the first place, really. So I would assume this would be... Let's take 80s and 90s coin-operated machines, do the same exact show, so you have the quiz shows, you have the competition, and then you actually have to play the show for the high score, um, but I, I got no clue, I am very interested, I do want to check this Starcade show out, because like I said, Nick Arcade, fucking awesome. Hmm. That's not even just nostalgia talking, I watched it in syndication <laughs> on Nick Gas, still holds up really well, like super 90s super 90s <laughs> but just the concept is there it's a really cool idea it was right at the onset of video gaming and it was already between starcade and nick arcade just a really brilliant way of incorporating video gaming into like exhibition of your video game skills and then also at the same time like a quiz show so that brings it full circle awesome games done quick twitch Ni- nintendo starcade uh thanks for listening hope it's been a pleasure we're all over the internet like i said a couple times on the show facebook twitter wordpress tumblr dollarviews.net find us by dollar views if you can't spell that because it's two hours back to back google debts if you want to find us because you want to listen to us and are too lazy to follow us literally by pressing the button or like google play music itunes Podcast, stitcher tune in youtube soundcloud podcast we're all over the internet we're all over here for you i'm not gonna do any anymore that's the end of the show say good night steve hold <laughs> good night yeah
1: <laughs> that that was that was a real that one was real yeah, see you guys good night yeah I'll see you next week